0: This episode of Creative Control is brought to you by Verizon, the network America relies on. A few episodes back, I explored how algorithms and content moderation can make some creators feel targeted on these platforms. I interviewed one researcher and she brought up how these creators were figuring out ways to avoid getting flagged by AI moderation.
1: One of the clever ones is people were fearful that they would get banned if they wrote sex, S-E-X, because of content moderation rules. So they would use terms like S-E-G-G-S. Or algorithms was one of my favorite, rather than algorithms. That's
0: algo-speak, which I'm sure you've seen online at some point, with people using unalive instead of dead or camping to talk about abortion. Adult entertainers will call themselves accountants or use the corn emoji instead of the very obvious word that rhymes with corn. Algo speak is basically a way of talking about hot button issues or using words some may find controversial to avoid content getting flagged or banned. It's something that's been around pretty much since the internet was a thing. Depending on how old you are, you might know this as lead speak. But no matter what you call it, massaging language to try to sidestep moderation is something that I wanted to pick at a little bit more. Like, what does it mean that creators even have to warp language like this? And at what point does AlgoSpeak become so ubiquitous that it defeats its own purpose? This is Creative Control. I'm your host, KC Finney. Each week, I'll be unpacking the driving forces and people shaping the creator economy, and what it all means for its future. So, AlgoSpeak became a thing because creators were trying to avoid their content getting flagged. But, does the average creator or user really know what's on the no-fly list for moderation? Sure, there are obvious things on most platforms like no nudity or extreme violence, but as I'm sure you rightly assume, there is a lot of gray area here. So to start, I wanted to talk about what so many of us are guilty of completely ignoring without a second thought, and that's the terms of service of these platforms. Thankfully, there are some people out here doing God's work to make terms of service agreements more digestible for the rest of us.
2: Well, hello, I'm Sean Zulek von Valkenberg. I'm a social media manager, content creator on TikTok mostly, and I read the fine print because people don't have the time to do so. It's an arduous job, but I like to find little artifacts and things people miss, and they get shocked by what they've agreed to. It's kind of like selling their soul away, but I make sure to get their soul back. Like I said, doing God's work.
0: As a content creator who spends their time digging into the do's and don'ts of these platforms, I figured Sean was the perfect person to have a conversation with about Algo Speak and moderation. So, to kick off our conversation, I asked Sean what kind of relationship they see between creators
2: and these platforms. So definitely the first thing, I was curious to see how many people have actually read the terms and conditions. So I fell across a study and it said around 99% of Americans do not read the terms and conditions. I was like, oh, that's an issue. First of all, they don't read the privacy policy. They don't read the community guidelines. And I saw that there was this friction in the community where like, I'm getting CGV'd on TikTok. What do I do? I was like, well, firstly, we have to read them (laughs) because if you don't read them and you don't know why your video was taken down, it creates this vacuum where people are like angry at the platform. And then it becomes performative where it's like, you could do some work if you're going to read those guidelines to figure out what's going to happen. And then it really jarred me to see that a lot of companies, even though they're private, have a lot of uh, leeway when it comes to pulling down videos. I think one of the terms exactly verbatim is like in terms of pulling down content in our sole discretion. And people think they have to have a reason to pull your content down. If it's unfavorable to the platform, they have full right to pull it down. You've agreed to it
0: whoa (laughs) yep that'll do it and what i find interesting is that creators have formed ways to circumvent censorship or even perceive censorship and you know with things like algo speak and that means you know obviously using terms that are adjacent to what you really want to say but sometimes not sometimes it's like completely different like saying segs s-e-g-g-s eggs yes Or using you know i'm an accountant but that means you know you're an adult performer and you know it's it's just a whole litany of things that we've seen that's been around in sort of internet culture for a while but I mean, from my purview, I've seen it just had this massive uptick since like, you know, the rise of TikTok. And so I kind of want to start by asking, I me, mean, like, what do you think it says about the relationship between creators and the platform that there is even something like AlgoSpeak running so rampantly?
2: It's a little bit difficult because there are some things that shouldn't be on an app that is considered like a children's app, quote unquote because the second larger U, uh, US demographic is age 13 to 17. So some of the conversations should already be partitioned from other creators. But I feel like censorship is a big issue when we talk about like having free speech and the discussion where people are like, these platforms shouldn't have that much control. When in reality, like, they're private platforms. We have to abide by the terms and conditions. We agree to that when we join. So it's navigating that like walking on a rope between the grand canyon and trying not to fall off by talking about the most simple of things right and
0: how necessary do you feel something like algo speak actually is because i would say most of it is the perception that their content is being suppressed or or somehow you know downvoted and so from all the creators and and researchers i've talked to i mean the main issue here is that there is no real clear view into how these algorithms are really working, like what's actually being flagged, what's actually being pulled down. And so there's this sort of opaqueness to it all. And so I think it's people operating under the assumption that, oh, I should use these terms instead of, you know, saying sex or whatever because, you know, I don't want my content to be pulled down or get flagged or anything like that. And so from your point of view, like as someone who digs into the terms of service of these platforms, like
2: how necessary do you think something like Algo Speak actually is? Gosh, that's such a good question. Um I'm going to phrase this in a way where it depends on the demographic, the group that you're in, and the community that you speak to, and the people that you reach on the platform. To an extent, it is very necessary in terms of preemptive moderation, because some people, they're just, like, drop—not necessarily, like, it's bad that they're dropping F-bombs, but, like, 50% of the verbiage that the computer picks up on, it's not, like— of substance, so that's the first like step. Secondly, there is some harmful language and verbiage and misinformation that is being spread on the platform, which I feel like the technology is being used for to remove that preemptively. And that's what I believe in. Like, If you're not stating facts and you're just pushing propaganda, they need to sense that. But sometimes it's hard to filter out the noise because you have false positives and false negatives. And false negatives is where people get angry, where they see like half nude people on the platform, people saying like the N-word that are clearly white, And it really stirs up the platform because the system doesn't detect it as something that should be removed. Not to say that AI is perfect, but it really sets the scene for like, AI is not perfect and we have such a far way to go in terms of improving the platform. But there's internal ways of reporting this uh, to help with that. I feel like once you get up to like political propaganda, political free speech, that's where it gets fuzzy and there's so much noise in that discussion. I think it's important to point out
0: that when it comes to something, again, like Alga speak, there are times where it's it can be kind of funny or cute or, you know, something that's kind of, you know, inconsequential in the larger picture, like just people kind of using these substitute words for fun. But oftentimes it's like people are having to make their message or make their content kind of obscure because when they're talking about really important things, like I remember recently people were referring to, you know, people were using camping in reference to abortion-related issues around the Supreme Court, overturning Roe v. Wade. And so I think most people who understand that they'll kind of get the context of it and they'll still get, you know, hopefully get the information that they need to stay informed because TikTok and all these social platforms have become really a primary source of how people get their information for better or worse. But I I just, I see an, an increasing issue of like, how we're not being able to talk about important issues head-on, where you just have to keep changing these words and molding it so content so these hot-button issues don't get flagged. You know, people making content about it. So, is there a solution here for more nuanced moderation?
2: Gosh, that's such a difficult question to answer. Like, I'm sorry, so, I'm asking yeah. this of you. <laughs> how am I going to attack this from multiple angles? There's always like 200 things I want to talk about, and I always get to like one of them when people ask questions <laughs> like this. I know that TikTok is looking for moderators always, and I always look at the demographic of moderators that are represented because when we have these nuanced, intersectional, race-based discussions, allegedly, I found the identities of a few of these moderators because it was on LinkedIn and they finally privated it. But the demographic, there was a lot of friction because a lot of them were not representing the people that they were moderating themselves. So, of course, you have implicit bias. I feel that... There should be room for training of these moderators when it comes to implicit bias and race and discussions where there are certain words that we as black people are allowed to use. It's listed in the terms and conditions. They're under protected attributes. We should be able to reclaim slurs that are used against us and not reap the consequences of saying that. But then you get into ethics. How do you detect someone's a perceived race if they don't identify with that? Like you can't just get the hex code of a pixel of someone and say they're black because some people present as white and are black.
0: Yeah, and, yeah, you know, shout out to all my fellow ninjas out there. <laughs> <laughs> you're right, you're right. The question around more nuanced moderation is a hard one to answer, so I called in some backup.
1: Hello, thank you for having me.
0: Dr. Casey Fiesler is a professor at the University of Boulder, Colorado, and a content creator herself. She's done a lot of research around technology ethics and internet law, so I wanted to get her take on all this. One thing I asked her was why there isn't more transparency around which words are and aren't allowed on these platforms.
1: The danger of providing a list like that, and my assumption is that this is one of the reasons why platforms do not tend to do this, is because essentially, then you can game the system. Mm -hmm. Like If we knew for certain that kill is on that list and unalive is not, then everyone uses unalive to get around it. Actually, let me give you a a simpler example of a type of automated content moderation system. I like simple.
0: I'm a simple man, Dr. Fiesler.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So Reddit has an auto moderator. It's essentially a really simple AI moderation system that the moderators of subreddits can kind of program themselves. And so the easiest thing to do is here's a list of words if these words show up in posts or subject lines or whatever, delete that post or send it to moderators or whatever. And I have heard complaints from people who join new subreddits saying my content keeps getting deleted and I don't know why. I just wish that the moderators would tell me What words I'm not allowed to use because I really want to participate in this community. But then I've also spoken to moderators about this and they say, if we told people what the list of words was, (laughs) everyone would just game the system and they would use different words or they would spell them wrong or whatever. And then what's the point? So there's actually a tricky tension here. I've been thinking a lot about over moderation, which is kind of what we're talking about here. But to be fair, we also don't want to see under moderation because I also hear people complaining about the amount of hate speech that they hear on TikTok. And it's actually kind of hard to calibrate. I do not envy these platforms making decisions about content moderation, particularly when it comes to automation, which is necessary given the massive amount of content. It is a hard problem. And
0: one thing I find interesting about all of this is intention, right? Because you could, you could be talking about a hot button issue like hate speech or sexual assault, but those, you could be talking about it from an educational standpoint and not necessarily perpetuating those things in, in a vicious way. And so do you think algorithms will ever become nuanced enough to differentiate that at scale?
1: This is a very, very challenging (laughs) problem. We know about all kinds of problems with hate speech detectors. In particular, there has been research that showed that African-American vernacular was more likely to be flagged as hate speech in some of these uh, hate speech detectors on social media. But also just the problem that you mentioned, you know, maybe someone talking about hate speech (laughs) sounds a lot like hate speech. And it's very nuanced. Could our algorithms get better at that? Sure. But it can be so nuanced. It can have to do with the tone of voice. It might even just have to do with who is speaking. That can really matter when it comes to these kinds of discussions. And so The thing that I have been thinking a lot about and that I worry about in this context, and I think that hate speech is a particularly good example here because it's so important that it's not on the platform in ways that are going to harm people. But (laughs) we know that a thing that is happening is that content creators from marginalized groups are having content removed or suppressed when they are talking about their experiences of marginalization. And this might be racism or homophobia or anti-Semitism. And we just see examples of this over and over. And it is a hard problem. How do you calibrate the algorithm for more false negatives, which means hate speech stays up on the platform when it should come down, or more false positives, where content that is not hate speech gets taken down when it shouldn't be. And part of the challenge here is that in both of those cases, it's harming the same people. Right. <laughs> so however you calibrate it, it doesn't matter. Both ways, it's going to be harmful to people from marginalized groups. And I've talked to a lot of tiktok creators over the past year or so some as part of formal interviews i've been doing about content moderation and a lot of people are really convinced that moderation on tiktok is just totally broken Mm -hmm. like they're not taking anything down that they should be taking down and they're taking stuff down left and right that shouldn't be taken down and i think to some extent these are real serious problems And I I personally have seen examples of both of those. I see them all the time. But it's also true that we only see content moderation when it's broken. Because if TikTok is taking down content that should be taken down, then we don't see it. So it's hard to know how much is it really working. I've definitely talked to people who think that TikTok would be a better experience if there was no content moderation at all. But oh. <laughs> I, I highly suspect that there is a whole lot of content that's being removed that absolutely should have been removed. Mm-hmm. but we don't see that. Right. So it's hard to get a sense of how content moderation on a platform is actually helping us and keeping us safe when we mostly see the mistakes
0: interesting. yeah, I i oof. I, I do wonder what. TikTok would look like with zero content moderation, because I- Fortune? Oh, yep. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. We're going to take a quick break. And when we're back, we'll discuss how algospeak is complicating the relationship between marginalized creators and platforms. And later, what happens when algospeak becomes ineffective. This episode of Creative Control is brought to you by Verizon, the network you can rely on for your phone and for your home internet. Find the plan that's right for you at verizon.com. When I think about AlgoSpeak, I always wonder how it's adding to what I see as this growing foundation of mistrust between marginalized creators and these platforms. Because at its core, AlgoSpeak is a product of what many see as
2: over-moderation. So I asked Sean how they see all this playing out long term. I think all this mistrust, in my opinion, is placed in a lack of transparency. but. We always see this with tech companies because they're so big. There's so many internal policies we're not allowed to know. Uh, They function in a specific way. They're always like visited by Homeland Security, FBI, CIA, to make sure that they're doing everything correctly. There are some things that we will never see. And I feel like there needs to be more transparency or discussion surrounding moderation and how they're updating all their policies. I know TikTok this week has had so many updates with like their live to protect minors on it, they raise the minimum age to 18, which I, as someone who's 25 or about to be 25, I like to see it, but I realize now people who are legally allowed to work to make money who are under the age of 18, they miss out on so much possibility for monetization. It puts everyone in a weird position, but I see it's in the best interest for safety. I think it's really just a transparency, like a hiccup in transparency. I was talking to one of my friends, a TikTok advocate, after a huge trend blew up on TikTok where people were circumventing the AI and posting their noodles, there's some algo speak for you, <laughs> um, some noodles on the bottom uh, in their iPhone camera roll. And I emailed my TikTok uh, contact immediately and she said, we're working on it, we found it. And I was like, that's the type of transparency I love to see. And I'm so happy that like, she was really transparent with me, but I realized a lot of creators, they don't have that transparency or that contact. And I feel like there should be like a board or a group of creators who do their best to protect people on the app or give them the best information, who should have a direct link with TikTok and meet with them monthly. How do you see this
0: shaping content creation altogether? Because in a way it can be kind of an art form because when you're talking about creators trying to circumvent censorship with this coded language it can even go into gestures like speaking of race when people want to talk about like oh white people you see black people pointing to the, the like the palm of their hands gestures like yes. we're talking about white people so i find it interesting if we could just take a step back for a second and think about like how a practice like this is shaping how creators think about content and the content
2: itself I've been seeing a lot of colloquialisms or like colloquial speech or the advancement or evolution of algo speak. It's a language that evolves so quickly on the platform. There is literally a person at TikTok that will like find algo speak and feed it into the system so it is trained to know what we're saying. What is a really good example of this? Oh, like Unalive and Panini Press. Like those things are definitely in the system. They've already flagged us for <laughs> Not that. About Panini Press. Like, <laughs>
0: actually, that's the thing. I mean, so at what point does it become just ineffective? Like do you do you see something like algo speak just constantly evolving to stay one step ahead of the of, of people like inputting it into you know their moderation systems?
2: That's a good question. I would say um it's like AI versus humans butting heads, and I feel like humans, we have such Well, of course, like we're humans, we're not like an um, inanimate object that is like trying to figure out through pattern recognition and deep learning and deep sensing. But as humans, there's such a nuance to the language that we do. And there's inside jokes that we get where we can actually circumvent the whole system and create a whole new language. This whole system takes time to catch up to us. So I would say humans are always like two steps ahead, but it will always like be catching up when it's trained on our verbiage because it's being fed so much information every single second. At this point,
0: AlgoSpeak is becoming this weird cat and mouse game between creators and the platforms they're on. To me, AlgoSpeak is just a band-aid over the larger problem of not having a more nuanced approach to AI moderation. When it comes to specific words, there's so much missing context around how that word is being used and who's using it. But figuring out how to add that context is bigger than not having to say nip nops instead of nipples or leg booty instead of LGBTQ. That context around AI can help make marginalized communities feel more welcomed online. That's gonna do it for this episode of Creative Control. Make sure you subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast, And make sure you rate and comment as well. We really do read these comments and they help make the show even better. Fast Company podcasts were produced by Avery Miles, Blake Odom, and Matt Toder. Editing and sound design is by Nicholas Torres. Our executive producer is Joshua Christensen. Deputy editor David Litsky provided editorial oversight for this episode, as well as senior VP of entertainment, Scott Meebus.